You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. After one week off, we are back. It is the Locked On Big 12 Roundtable. I am Josh Neighbors, the host of Locked On Big 12. To my right, it is John Williams, the host of Locked On Sooners. To his right, it is Stephen Simcox, the host of Locked On Horn Frogs. Below him, it is Linda Godfrey, the host of Locked On Pokes. And then to her left, it is Jay Catch, the host of Locked On Cougars. Uh, Dave Aranda gets an extension at Baylor. We're going to discuss that. Also, Luke Fickle getting his extension as well. And then we're going to discuss who had a better season, the NFL or college football. All that coming up on today's show. You are Locked On Big 12, your daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, once again, we are back. Week off last week because I had what many football coaches on television always call the virus, the COVID. That's always the funniest thing ever. Like Mark Richt is always like, yeah, the virus. It's just really weird and funny to watch them say that. But uh, yes, I am back. I am fully healthy. We are all back. Um, so the big news today is that Dave Aranda got his extension. Now, we heard this was coming for a while. And Stephen, you're kind of most familiar with Baylor um, just kind of, you know, being in that area and covering them. And I want you to talk about, you know, the extension, but also like how private schools just kind of inherently the information really is not there as much, uh, for public kind of grasping as it is, you know, for an OU or an Oklahoma state. Right. So kind of describe to us what you're hearing, what the numbers might be. And uh, just, you know, your thoughts on the extension for Dave Aranda. Right, so we're looking at an extension through 2029, which is uh, seems longer than most of these end up being. But I know it's sort of all just like weird numbers that are arbitrary in a way. Uh, but that's the number that he is linked to right now. And I saw Matt Mosley today, who um, works at the station I used to work at, and is a, a Baylor grad. He's pretty plugged in. And he said that Steve Sarkeesian is making roughly 5.2 million. Mike Gundy makes around 4.9 million. That was in 2021. Baylor does not disclose financial details, but he believes Aranda's new salary is likely in that range. So kind of, you know, 5 million to 5.5 million. That's where they sort of settled. And I mean, it's a big deal. Like I would say all fan bases are like this, right? But Baylor fans were very defensive about uh, when his name came up multiple times and a lot of different openings. No, he's staying here. And I do think like what little we know about him, he seems very thoughtful. He seems, um, very family-oriented, pretty private. So the uh, smaller town, private school, slower pace is is a good fit for him. Um, and obviously, like, all those things are good qualities when you're winning games. Like, all those personality traits, people love it when, when you're winning a Big 12 title. So um, coming off a huge season, they get that extension done. I think the thing that impressed me the most about Dave was they went 2-9 in 2020. Um, or two and eight, however many games they ended up playing. But, uh, I mean, it did not work, right? Like he had Larry Fedora and Jorge Munoz sort of as co-offensive coordinators, and that was a disaster. And he sort of on the fly was like, okay, this doesn't work. I'm totally scrapping this. He didn't say, let's run it back and see if, you know, things work better and better circumstances. Um, he just went ahead and made a change. And 
I feel like Jeff Grimes is a huge part of this, um, and him keeping that staff together is going to be a big deal with Grimes and Eric Mateos and then Ron Roberts, who's a, a longtime defensive coordinator and has done a nice job for him in the two seasons he's been in Waco. But, um, I mean, they're set up pretty well at the moment. They're, I know they're recruiting well for 2023. Um, they're pretty highly ranked. A lot of that this early in the process is just kind of based on how many commits you have. But they got uh, a good thing to sell. And we've sort of discussed this, like, different teams that feel like they have an opportunity once Texas and OU exit to be sort of the big dog. And I think there's a lot of schools that have um, an argument for that. But if you're talking about on the field right now, I mean, it's hard to argue with with what Baylor did in 2021. John, I'm going to ask you about what you think is going to happen here in, in next season. I know, I know Baylor has lost a good amount, but, you know, it's my expectation that OU is going to be the preseason favorite to win the Big 12. Um, past that, I really don't know a whole lot of what's going to happen. So, to you, you know, is covering OU, who do you see as the biggest threat? Do you think Texas, with kind of all this talent that they've got, is the biggest threat? Or is OU, or excuse me, is Baylor retaining their coach? And also, big big thing, too, is retaining their other coaches, most of the other coaches, too, right? Keeping Grimes, keeping Mateos, keeping all those guys in-house, like, that's huge for them. Do you see them as a bigger threat, or do you see Texas because of the amount of talent? I think I see Baylor as a bigger threat right now. I, I still see Oklahoma State as a as more of a threat than Texas until we see what they're putting on the field with a you know a guy getting his first run as a starting quarterback in uh, college football. You know, I, I still see Texas as a threat in the Red River Showdown, but as far as like contending for the Big Twelve, I'm not sure they're quite ready to do that just yet. Uh, but Baylor, I mean, they're they're bringing back the thing that's their bread and butter, right? Their defense, their offensive line good offensive play caller and they've got a quarterback that's got experience that's going to be back and his backup has experience now too so they're a team that's pretty well set up to make another run at the big 12 title i think they might be due for a little bit of regression but i think it's still going to be a really really good football team yeah i i thought about this today like the crazy part about this year's baylor team was the fact that it's, it's the most baylor thing ever like especially this group uh, they're about defense and running the ball, and their their best running back was a converted linebacker yeah. to show you kind of the defensive angle, which is the really weird, funny part about it. Uh, Linda, what what's your feeling kind of as a team that is in the Big 12? We'll go to Jake after this to get as a kind of somebody coming into the Big 12, but as one of the schools in the Big 12 already with Oklahoma State, all right, I mean, this this kind of sets the stage, right? You know, I think Oklahoma State, after their performance this year, Baylor – I know TCU, you know, wants to get up there, but as as the schools that are in the Big Twelve, it kind of sets the stage. You know, that, that's that's going to be something to have to reckon with, right? Dave Aranda at Baylor, as you think about the new kind of power players in the new Big Twelve. Absolutely, and like Stephen said, Jeff Grimes seems to be he was a huge component, in my opinion, to Baylor's success this season. Mm -hmm. um, just really everything that they did to rebuild that team and, and get right back in the mix of everything. And to win the big 12 is mind boggling. I don't know how you don't extend your coach after that. You kind of have to, you know, a bit like Zach Taylor in the NFL right now. I don't know that Zach Taylor is as good of a coach as uh, their record indicates, but um, he's going to get that extension because he got that team to a place they hadn't been in a very long time. And I think that's a smart thing to do if it's working get it done and they did exactly what they needed to do to stay in contention in the big 12. Yeah. And then I, th I mean the, the Jeff Grimes components huge. I think the big key for that part of it is 
it's not going to be something that happens. They're, they're, he's going to get replaced pretty soon, right? Uh, I think we've seen enough Jeff Grimes, and you got a front, you know, a front row seat to this, Jake. We saw it already. We saw it already at BYU. We just saw it at Baylor with, you know, I won't say scraps, but it wasn't great, especially what we saw in 2020. So they're going to have to replace that. But but as somebody coming in to the Big 12, you know, and also seeing Luke Fickle get the extension, like I know people think this league might be wide open, but it feels like they're going to be some some powerhouse coaches, at least some established coaches. Aranda, Fickle, Gundy, Sataki. I mean, these aren't just kind of the hot risers. It's, this isn't G5, right? These are well-paid, well-known commodities who have been coaching for a while. They're going to be ahead of these programs. And that, that's the thing about this is these new programs coming in. UCF just locked up Gus Malzahn long-term. Mm-hmm. BYU took care of Kalani Sataki and his assistants. Luke Fickle's the most recent. They're, they're committing $10 million, the University of Cincinnati now, to both the head coach and the coaching staff leading the Bearcats. These programs, I think, understand the level that they're going into, and they're trying to spend commiserate with getting in there and competing right away. We'll see if it actually works out that way. I still think that all of them are probably going to have some sort of a adjustment period where they have to get used to playing the level of football that these other programs have been playing at for literally decades. But I, I think these programs understand the financial commitment they have to make. I'm actually impressed that Baylor put up what they put up apparently to take care of Dave Aranda. I, I'm with you on the Jeff Grimes thing. The reason why he went to BYU be the offensive coordinator is because he has a dream of being a head coach. Mm-hmm. He's not going to be long for Waco, but in the time that he's going to be there, Dave Aranda found a good one. Yeah, he did. It, it felt like if there was some Auburn movement, we might've been having a conversation about him. Yeah. But, you know, because with his desire to, to want to go to that that next level, mm-hmm. and and also the one guy you know we we didn't mention too the first school out of that new four to really commit Dana Holgerson right I mean Houston yeah. ponied up for Dana Holgerson and they found that success I mean it was a little rocky there but last year what they won 12, 13 games uh, and an awesome season for them so I want you all to assume that fourteen uh, fourteen teams in the Big Twelve right now right so let's just say. OU and Texas are in and the new four schools are in, which is it's probably gonna be a likely scenario, at least we think for one season here, maybe in, in the next two years. Uh, who is the best coach in the Big 12? If, if next year we were to have all 14 teams there. All right. Who is the best coach in that in the Big 12? Steven, I'm gonna go to you first. Oh, man, this is a great question. Um, I'll take Luke Fickle. And I know that you're dealing with him doing it in the American conference, but still getting to the playoff with that team and sustaining like a couple years now of extended success in Cincinnati, I think is a big deal. He's also recruited well. He's developed well. I think he checks all the boxes. Uh, yeah. I'll take Luke Fickle. All right, John. Yeah. Luke Fickle seems like a really good choice. I'll throw a nomination in there for Mike Gundy as well. Uh, just what he's able to do with the, how do I put this kindly uh, the level of quarterback play that they've had at Oklahoma state um, <laughs> for quite a while now. Uh, and, you know, they, they haven't always been the power player in the big 12, but every few years they just, they jump up there and they put themselves in, into contention. And, you know, I don't necessarily like everything about the guy, but I think he's a really, really good coach. And I think this is just one of those things like the big 12 is going to have a deep roster of coaches if they can hold on to all these guys, which is, really impressive for a school or for a conference that a lot of, a lot of people, national media included 
think it's maybe like the fourth or fifth best, best conference, that right. coaching roster, you could put up against any conference in America, I feel like. Yeah, I, I want to say this before Jake and Linda, like I, I, I'm thinking about them compared to the Pac-12 right now. Like the depth, the top is higher. At the top programs, the Pac-12, you've got Lincoln Riley, right? Dan Lanning's at Oregon. Kyle Whittingham is awesome. But, I mean, also, how long is it going to be around for? We don't think it's going to be very long, right? Anything about, you know, Chip Kelly at UCLA, okay, but, you know, they really haven't been that good. You know, Washington State obviously just went through their coaching change. Washington making a coaching change. Like, the, the coaches in this in this Big 12 are, are better. And I know people are saying, look, it, it could end up being a G5 league. I'm going to re- reiterate this. They're paying these coaches very, very well. And especially like we talked about at those new four teams coming in, they're all paying their coaches very well to come into this league. So well, I just think that should be known. I mean, politics is a re- is the biggest reason why some of these schools weren't power five schools to begin with. Like right. Houston had an opportunity to be a part of the big 12. Cincinnati was a part of the big East. Like that was once, a power conference in college football. Like these aren't schools that are just also rands. You know, UCF had a great season just a few years back. BYU is consistently a thorn in the side of the teams that they play. And so and the Pac-12 this year. Yeah, the Pac-12 <laughs> in particular. Like these these teams aren't, you know, just some some average teams that are coming into the Big 12. I, I mean, as far as schools that the Big 12 could have added, they added four of the best, you know, group of five schools. And well coached. Have. Yeah, well coached uh, in great areas, great right. fan bases, and great donor bases as well. Yes. Yeah, and and I know it's not the most important thing, but you could also argue that the conference is getting better and deeper in basketball also. So it's not yeah. like you're going to fall off a cliff like at the end of the fall into the winter and into March Madness. So the two revenue sports, you're set up really well. Yeah. Lindo, who do you think is to be the best coach in the Big 12 next year? I think we can all assess my answer from my reaction to John's answer, but – I fully believe Mike Gundy. And like, listen, I've, I have complaints about Mike Gundy too. I'm not saying that every season I'm like, he makes all the right decisions every time. By no means. He's able to do with two and three star recruits regularly, year in and year out, and win games and come out with winning seasons does not, in my opinion, get the respect that it deserves. I think he is the most you know decorated coach, the most vetted coach in the big 12 right now with the chance to be the best coach next season. All right, Jake. Uh, I was going to say Mike Gundy. So I'm going to go, I'll, I'll find somebody else and I'll actually throw up a name that, man, I go back and forth on this, but Kalani Sitake, I'm going to toot the horn for BYU out here. Kalani Mm -hmm. understands the unique dynamics of BYU better than anybody because he grew up a fan of the university. He played here. He's a member of the sponsoring faith, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints out here. He knows what BYU is all about, and he has proven that he can have them competing at a national level, being an independent. The hope is that he goes into the Big 12 now with his understanding of what it took to get Utah to being competitive in the Pac-12 He'll have BYU up and running relatively quickly. We'll see. But I was going to say Mike Gundy. I just figured I'd throw somebody else out there. I mean, nobody thinks Lance Leipold. Talk about credentials. Guy won two games at Kansas. I mean, come okay, on. Texas. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Texas, you know, Buffalo into a Mac power. Come on. Yeah. yeah. What's surprising to me about this is that Matt Campbell didn't get brought up when like six months ago, probably most people considered him one of the two best coaches in the conference. So I think we got to I think, look. It's tough because he's, he's done such a great job program building. But like, 
I think there is a certain level. And, and look, I actually I knocked Gundy for this last year because all we heard about with the 2020 Oklahoma State team was, oh, Chuba Hubbard's back. Tylen Wallace is here. This defense is going to be good. And they severely underperformed. Now they rebounded so well, and, and Iowa State could do the same. But the thing was, this was the year, right, for Iowa State. This was the season with the talent that they had. And they came up way, way short of expectations. So while we might see him as this awesome program builder and, and coach, I mean, I think the reason why we're all gravitating towards a Mike Gundy is that, you know, he's had all of this success. I would say at this point in time, I would roll with Luke, Fick, Luke Fickle. And I, I will say the reason is because the last two seasons, like I don't think people understand them going to the playoff does not happen without their last season. Yeah. They basically had to be damn near perfect for two years. And with the amount of pressure they had on them this year to be as good as they were and to, to run it wire to wire and to get that win against Notre Dame on the road, which they had to have to make that statement and still get doubted and still win every single week. And most times impressively that to me is like coaching. Like that is just, I kept this group focused from pillar to post because they had this amazing opportunity. And then also too, like, there's a couple bounces in that. I'm not saying they win the Alabama game. That game's a lot closer, right? And they also they didn't get absolutely curb stomped in that game. It was not. Uh, we've we've seen worse blowouts. We saw one in the game afterwards, right? Uh, Georgia and Michigan. So to to have that season with that much pressure and just kind of for them to retain him like is awesome. I, I think he is a, like a top level coach. I really do. So there's a lot of different ma- matters of thought, and this that's what makes this so interesting. Is that some one of you guys could have answered Dave Aranda, and I actually think in three or four years we might be sitting here being like, this was the obvious choice, right? Um, and, and Stephen, you know those too. Baylor's last like decade or so, the sneaky thing I know that we talk about is they win with variety of coaches. They won with Bryles, they won with uh, Matt Rule, and they won with Dave Aranda. So while there's been a lot of variation, like that's a great spot to be in. And I think the fact they've locked up that guy, like talk about family guy. I think it's, you know, pretty well documented. He's a Christian. Like it's, it's a fit kind of, it's a match kind of made in heaven. And we've already seen, seen him put together a awesome season. So I think we could all be sitting here being and be wrong in three years and be like, how do we not all say uh, Dave Aranda? Yeah, and I think I mean you can't do this obviously, but if you take out the one and eleven year that they had the first year under Rule and the two and eight season under Dave, I mean they've been consistently in bowl games in contention for Big Twelve title for, I mean the past decade plus, which is super rare for that university. So they have like elevated facilities and elevated the talent there to a place where I mean they're they're pretty consistent. They're about as consistent as anyone in the league. And they're going to put guys in the NFL too. I mean, I, I think I think if you're a defensive player, right, you see what's going to happen this year with Jalen Petrie, and then I think also, my in my opinion, Terrell Bernard too, and then eventually Apuica. Uh, it's going to be a pretty coveted place. All right, let's hit a quick word from our sponsors here, and then we'll ask the question of who had a better season, NFL or college. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. You guys can go to built.com today. That's built.com and check out the line of built bars they've got right now. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. Oh my goodness. Most built bars have 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. So you guys can get that right now in all those flavors too. And they're always coming out 
with new flavors also. Go to built.com today. It's built.com. Promo code locked15. L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5. Locked15 for 15% off at built.com today. All right. So I, I thought about this today where all my great ideas come up in the shower. I mean, I, I always think about podcast ideas in the shower. So I thought, I was like, man, we have a varied crowd here. We got a lot of NFL interests. We got a lot of uh, college football interests. We got a lot of kicker interests. I know, I know uh, one of us here just loves kickers so much. Um, made me think who had the better season and you guys can interpret better. However you want to, did you guys enjoy it more? Do you think the quality of football was better? Were the storylines better was all the better, but did, I know it's a college show here, but we're all, you know, we all follow pro pretty closely. Did the NFL or did college football have a better season? So, John, I'll go to you first. I know your team season didn't end well, but I see <sighs> more of your NFL tweets than anybody else I know. So, and you're always fending off angry Cowboys fans. They're coming at you yeah. from all angles. Yeah. So, what did you think? College football better season, NFL better season? Oh, man. If, if we can include December as part of the college football season, even though my the, the senior season was over – except for the Alamo Bowl, then I think like storylines, there was nothing more fascinating than what happened in college football this year. It was incredible. Not just Lincoln Riley moving to USC, but you had Brian Kelly going to LSU. You had Mario Cristobal going to Miami, like making Miami relevant again. That, that, that could potentially be a thing in the ACC. Um, just the Cincinnati run, Georgia's defense that was so dominant and everybody just kept looking for a team to potentially put some points on them, them beating Alabama in the college football playoff. Like there was so much interest in it. And yes, my Dallas Cowboys season didn't end the way I wanted it to. I still enjoyed it. Although there was a lot more frustration. Like I enjoyed the college football season more than I've ever enjoyed it. I think. And not, and and that was when Oklahoma was playing a close game every single week. Uh, just the overall season, it was just a lot of fun to watch this year. Steven. Yeah, I think I'm just suffering from recency bias here because John laid out a lot of really great things that happened. And it's hard to compete with college football because there's so many storylines and so many stories in the season. But the NFL playoffs were just so good. I mean, it was just – Game after the game. Chiefs, the Chiefs-Bills game was like, I mean. Yeah, the Chiefs-Bills game was an instant classic. And then, I mean, the follow-ups weren't to that level, but they were still, the AFC and NFC championship games were great. I mean, Chiefs-Bengals was um, an amazing game. Rams-Niners wasn't, like, there weren't a ton of fireworks, but it was another close game in the Super Bowl. I mean, you had a, a well-played, super competitive football game. So I think the NFL, even though they – rarely are able to get out of their own way, especially from a PR perspective. I feel like they had a really great year just on the field. And if that was my first thought when you said who had the better season, I was just thinking about the entertainment value of the games. And I think college football, there was some parody, right? Like we did see Cincinnati break through, but at the end of the day, it was still Alabama and Georgia. And it was nice to see Georgia get it done, but it was mostly the usual suspects. And in the NFL, I mean, we got Bengals Rams, which was, um, a cool matchup. So I'll, I'll go with the the shield in in this matchup. <laughs> Corp, corporate corporate Simcox over there with the with the pick. Uh, all right, Linda. Oh, I hate this question because like people ask you it all the time. Oh, if you had to pick one, would you watch college football or NFL? And I love them both for like wholly different reasons. College football makes me feel warm and fuzzy, and I feel like they're 
legitimately playing for each other. Whereas like in the NFL, I'm like, yeah, but you're getting like $20 million um, a year, you know, or a game when you get into the playoffs. So I think of that as more like a skill set situation where it's fun to watch Aaron Donald run a guy into his own quarterback or Cooper (laughs) cut absolutely torch Eli Apple in the Super Bowl. But the, the storylines in college football that are guys playing for each other or coaches, monkeys, biting children is just so much more fun and like heartwarming, not the biting the monkey, like not the biting of the child actually, but the stories that come from it are great. Uh, so I, I can't, I can good conscience pick one. I like them both a whole lot. I think the words heartwarming and monkey biting child were used in like either the same sentence yeah. or consecutive sentences. There's a comma. It, so it was, it's fine. The heartwarming story of a coach's stripper girlfriend and her exotic animal. It's a fun story. I think it's I why we fun love the sport. I think there's fair. a Hallmark movie about it. Hey, <laughs> Linda, I thought about you when Joe Burrow pass fell incomplete and evan mcpherson didn't get a chance to hit a game tying field goal uh, like you were the first person that came to my mind because i knew you were wearing an evan mcpherson i thought on. about linda when they, when they showed evan mcpherson out there for the halftime show people, the were half-time like, show? people were like what's he doing i'm like do you not go to games like the special teamers are always out there like 50 like it's like five minutes into halftime and they always come out there and start like they don't need to be in a halftime huddle what what strategic information is the coach going to give the kicker like, no, yeah, go out there and warm, warm and up, then, you know. Right after listening to Eminem drop Lose Yourself, he went out and hit a record-tying field goal to to tie Adam Vinatieri's record. So, you know, let him listen to his music. He was clearly, like, I don't know. The Super Bowl was fantastic. Both teams clearly having the time of their life up until, of course, the last couple of seconds. But Yeah, the football was bad for a little bit. But, yeah, I, I did enjoy, I enjoyed the, the matchup. Uh, Jake, your thoughts on this question? So – I love the storylines that college football has and annually just it, it continues, I feel like, to outperform. But this year, in just this instance, you can see behind me, I've got my little poster of the catch for the 49ers behind me. I always hate watching the Niners just because <laughs> <laughs> I, I've had that poster for many, many years. But it, it the, 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 the thing that the NFL had this year was their their postseason was unlike any NFL postseason that I can remember in my life. It was absolutely phenomenal. And I got to give the tip of the cap to the NFL this year. But annually, I feel like, by and large, college football seems to dominate. But, man, I was hate watching to see what Jimmy G was going to do if he was going to make me eat all of my words about wanting him out in San Francisco. And the Rams and the, the Bengals having new blood annually in the NFL this year, it felt like – just man, I'm with, I'm with Steven. Got to give the nod to the Shield this year. Unfortunately, I, I will say the college storylines and how long it it persisted was really the amazing part because even up to like the second signing day, we had Jimbo Fisher doing this ridiculous comedy routine where he's like, "Why are they slandering our coaches? We worked so hard for this class." And it's like, dude, the jig is up. You can just come out and all you have to say is we have an awesome coaching staff and we have people who really care and want to support our players in this community and and support them as football players, which is awesome. That's all you have to say. NIL is legal now. You don't have to be like, oh, name, image, and likeness. We would never. Oh, what is like, like what in the hell? I was, I was, I was baffled. I was like, what are we watching here? Because. Like I was like, 
you know, check the rule book. It's allowed right now. Correct. Why is he putting up this, this, you know, this act, like, you know, what's, whatever he's doing. Um, Lane Kiffin's comments were, were weird too, you know, but the potential, I mean, we just, we just had a, an almost coup of a coach who was in Mexico uh, that started by a message board rumors with boosters who clearly wanted the coach out. And, and, and this coach is going to come back and coach the next season, like, which feels completely unattainable with Brian Harson at Auburn, but it's going to happen. And so I think why the wide college wins this year is that even when games weren't being played, the storylines kept going. I mean, usually, usually by mid February, mid uh, January, and and you know, early February, uh, football guys are having a tough time generating conversations. Right? That was not that was not a problem. Like generating college football content and conversations was not a problem because a coaches are just ridiculous people as it is like as it's currently right now. Uh, they always will be, but like, college coaches are just. Uh, they're it's a really difficult job so i think you have to be kind of crazy to do it but like they are next level crazy and so i think that fed into the, these storylines that kept going and then obviously we had caleb williams watch which continued on forever um you know and 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 as i mentioned you know signing days were, were interesting too so i think from an overall story perspective i would say i want to go with college football now in the end were the results as good i actually i actually don't think the super bowl's the Super Bowl and the Nash Championship were as entertaining as they ended up ultimately were in the end. I don't think the end parts of the game were actually representative like the entire game. I didn't think were they were great football games, but the results were pretty cool, right? Um, the Rams were not an underdog by any large stretch of the imagination, but it was great to see Matthew Stafford was on a bunch of crappy teams and Aaron Donald and. Some people like to see it, you know, OBJ win, whatever. And then also Georgia, sure, Georgia's a powerhouse, but it was great to see them get over the hump with a guy who looks like, you know, he drives golf carts over at local country club. So that, you know, that's, that is, I think, you know, the stories were fun on both sides. I'm just going to go with the college football stories because they were, they were a lot more ridiculous. And I'm a, I'm, I'm a fiend for that kind of stuff. So anybody have any thoughts on that as, as we kind of uh, go through this here? Yeah, I mean, you know, I I got started covering the NFL and covering the Dallas Cowboys. You know, like that's that's where my most of my Twitter following comes from. Right. But now they're getting in, inundated with college football tweets because I just had so much fun watching college football this year. The NFL, I think the some of the things that really got to me about the NFL season was how much officiating became a part of it. Yeah. And I'm very much keep it in your pants officials, like quit throwing flags, let people play and just let the game be the game. You know, so many times you're seeing 10, 11, 15 penalties, you know, on a team or combined. And it just takes away from like, so did you, you enjoy the T Higgins no call. You thought that was uh, they should just let that one. I mean, there's some that are you know, absolutely blatant. Absolutely. I get it. But they're like, you, they say you could call pass know. interference. You could call holding on every single snap. And I prefer games that aren't getting over officiated. And I felt like the NFL just had a ton of over officiated games this year. Also, we, we didn't need the extra week. Like, did anybody, was anybody like, yes, week 18? Like, no, thank God. I was we pretty really, over it. Yeah. <laughs> like, Even though my team was going to the done. playoffs, I was just kind of like, eh. I was like, yeah, this is just like nobody. And the, the thing that, I mean, nobody except for the 32 owners asked for it, right? Nobody was like, yes. You know what we need? Week 18. We need that 17th game to figure out who's better, who should be in the playoffs. Now, 
it did provide us with that amazing moment with the, with the, uh, the chargers and the Raiders. Right. But like nobody, I, I did not have, there was no exciting football to me that entire weekend until that game actually started, which is not good. And it really kind of defeats the purpose of, of that. Um, but I, I, I digress. I think I will say this. If we do get college football playoff expansion, like I think the answer might become pretty easily that because it just it's going to be absolutely ludicrous if we if we do end up getting that. But yeah, uh, I, I think each season kind of there was excitement. This just shows you why football is king, right? There are arguments for for both sides of this, um, and we we were all here enthralled by each each of them, and it just kind of shows you how much it controls it. All right, one more quick word from our sponsors, and we'll get everybody out of here. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online and Bet Online. Net. Just because the big game is over, friends, does not mean the sports action stops. If you guys want to get in on the Olympics, uh, if you guys want to bet on that Russian speed skater who cheated, I would suggest that she's pretty damn good, apparently. Uh, you skater. can go uh, figure skater, yes. And she uh, didn't cheat. She was advised to take medicine by adults. Really? We don't think the 15-year-old did it by herself? She's a 15-year-old. <laughs> if somebody tells The Russians would never dope their athletes, God, John. Yeah. Man, uh, I'm just saying, like, I, they need to take, they need to quit letting minors participate in the Olympics so they don't get taken advantage of like this. Sorry. Correct. Girl dad. <laughs> you're, you're not wrong. Uh, so, excuse me. So if you want to bet on her, I'm actually not even sure you can. Uh, excuse me. Wow. Sorry, bet. COVID Sorry, bet online.net. Yeah, I, you're doing great. This is, yeah, this is a steroid free podcast, guys. Uh, this is real life. <laughs> if you want to bet on the United States men's and women's hockey team, you guys can do that. UFC, boxing, all of those things. Well, I make it that there's ad read. I'm sure you can bet on that as well at betonline.net today. You guys can go and check it out. Bet online. It's where the game starts. All right, everybody, it's time for plugs. John, you go first. Where can people find you? and your work and all of its variety. And also, if there's any nuggets you guys just want to give, anything you guys just want to say to end the show, I feel like I should make, let you guys say that too. So go ahead, John. Yeah. I, hey, I like the idea of the final thoughts. This is very yes. around the like, horn. Like, it's around the horn. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love that show. Like, there are a few things on ESPN that I really enjoy watching, but I really like that one. Um, even even Woody Page sometimes. But uh, no, final thoughts, man. I, I love the Olympics. Like, there's there's something really cool about all these, these athletes just spending – years of their life preparing for something that'll take place over two, three weeks. It's such an emotional roller coaster. Like from somebody I did musicals in high school and you kind of, it's not at all the same, but you spend like months preparing for something that will be over in five days. Like you have five runs and then you're done. Um, but they spend four years preparing for one opportunity to medal. And it's just kind of cool. Like the grind, you know, I think that's, that's what is impressive to me that their ability to just grind hoping to qualify for that. And so big shout out to all the Olympians across the world. Um, it's just a cool experience. Uh, I almost tried out for the bobsled one time, but I had a history exam, so I couldn't able to go. Uh, they had a open auditions at UNT one year. Um, yeah. So for more Olympic talk and girl dad takes, uh, make sure you go subscribe to locked on Sooners, wherever you get your podcasts on YouTube as, as well. And for Sooners coverage, locked on Sooners and uh, Sooners wire at USA today. Steven. Yeah, I'm at Simcox Steven on Twitter. The show is at Locked On TCU Podcast. It's Locked On Horn Frogs. And final thought, I mean, I went with the NFL, but we didn't even really – John touched on it briefly. I think the story that was the most fun in college football, Brian Kelly becoming like a fun divorced dad. I mean, he's dancing now. 
He, you know, he's developed like a Southern accent. Um, he looks like the type of dude that might buy beer for his kids on the weekends. Like he's just really going all out in Baton Rouge. Muted, Linda. Uh, you just described like my dad, which is fun. Um, <laughs> my uh, end of the, we didn't talk last week, so we didn't get to talk about the combine. And I'm still really been out of shape that Tay Martin didn't get an, an invite. I uh, really think he deserved to kind of show off after, especially after having such a good showing at the Shrine Bowl. So still mad about that. Hoping he has a really good pro day at Oklahoma State so he gets a, some kind of opportunity. But you can find me on Twitter at Lindellians, um, and all my work comes out in the Matthew Berry newsletter. All right. And then uh, Jake. Uh, I'm going to follow John's lead a little bit. Russia is absolutely cheating, and Russia needs to be punished for this, but I will digress on that point. I just I can't understand that six straight Olympic games have been marred by their systematic doping. And I, don't, I don't know why they let them come anymore. I, I like, don't it makes know. no sense. It's They're like, competing hey, as Russian Olympic athletes. They're yeah, no longer it's the Russian Olympic Committee. It's like, hey, just go – like if all right, Russian athletes. If you guys want to go compete, go be part of a different country. But like, we're not going to let anybody under the guise of Russia come here anymore. I don't know. I, I but I digress on that point. But I just the the Olympics. I love the Olympics. The whole idea of it and everything. It's just that part of it has just been driving me nuts. But anyways, outside of that, you can follow my coverage on BYU Locked On Cougars Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Just search out Locked On Cougars wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want my thoughts on all things sports, follow me. I'm at Jacob C Hatch. Uh, I would like to say that I'm just really enthralled in the U.S. curling team right now. Team Schuster, uh, always curling is guys. fantastic. By the yeah, way, yeah, it's pretty intense, man. It's it's slow. I love the way they're like they just start like screaming. It's like harder, harder. They soft. It's it's just it's unbelievable. Um, love the curl. I just want to shout that out. You guys can find me on Twitter at lo big twelve. You guys can find me personally at Josh Neighbors underscore. You guys can find the show Locked On Big Twelve on YouTube and wherever you guys get your podcasts as well. All right, team. We'll see you guys next week.